Hey, this is Pastor Steve Berger with This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. We want to thank you for listening today. And remember, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel or to this podcast so you don't miss another episode. God bless you. We pray that this is a blessing for you today. What's up, what's up, everybody? Pastor Steve Berger here with This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. And uh, this is week three of this new little series that we're doing called The Fabulous Fear, or This Fabulous Fear. Uh, And I'm calling it that, This Fabulous Fear, because I want some of you maybe to adjust your thinking so that you see the fear of the Lord as as something that is fabulous and not frightful or or terror filled you know people hear the fear of the lord and it it uh, does something to them that the scripture uh really never intended it to do and so uh the fear of the lord it's a fabulous thing we've also made the statement that the fear of the lord is the key i know this is a mouthful but it is the key to everything that you and i long for in life when we um unpack the scriptures and we look and see everything that God has available to us and everything that our hearts desire and long for, uh, we see that really the fear of the Lord is is kind of the linchpin that uh, will determine whether we experience everything that uh, we want and that God offers. And so super, super important uh, teaching, the fear of the Lord. Uh, We've seen it's not only the beginning of wisdom, but it's the conclusion of the matter. Uh, It's from Genesis to Revelation, and it's uh, patriarchs and prophets and kings and priests and uh, apostles. Jesus himself talked about it. So uh, we saw that it has a super prominent place um, in the scriptures and within the kingdom of God. And so it's super important. Listen, I'm just, uh, you know, going to repeat myself because it bears repeating. Uh, So our kind of our working definition on the fear of the Lord is holding God in such reverential awe and worship that we end up hating evil and departing from it. That's what the fear of the Lord is, to hold God in such reverential awe and worship that we end up hating evil and departing from it. In other words, we see God in all of his beauty and we refuse to participate in anything that doesn't line up with God's beauty and glory. So it's it's fear without fright, of God. It's reverence for, uh, without rejection of God. It's worship of God without withdrawal from God. Um, And then it's fear um, that has just, again, such a prominent place in the kingdom. Super, super important stuff. So um, today I'm going to go and unpack uh, with you another reason why we should fear the Lord. Another reason, where we've looked at a bunch already, here's some more. Another reason that we should fear the Lord, listen to me, beloved, it's because of God's amazing love for us. We should fear him because of his amazing love for us. And so we're going to unpack just five aspects of God's love and make some application here. But um, this this is good stuff to refresh our souls with. And when we kind of get done in the next few minutes, we kind of have a 
of this is that moment where we go, you know what, because of the love of God, how can I do anything but fear him? And so uh, really just good, good foundational, awesome stuff that again is gonna help us experience everything that the Lord would have for us. All right, so the first aspect of God's love that I wanna talk to you about is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, and it says this, we love him, we love God, because he first loved us. What's amazing about the love of God that should cause us to fear him? It's that he loved us first. It's that God didn't wait for you and I to get our acts together, to prove ourselves worthy, to clean ourselves up, to stop sinning, none of that. God initiated a love relationship with you. He loved you first. He loved you before you ever loved him. How awesome is that? And so when I look at what God's love produces for me, it just makes me want to love him all the more, which makes me want to obey him all the more. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. And so understanding that God's love came first, he loved us first, is massive. The second thing I want to talk to you about God's love, and and there's overlap in, in so much of this, But Romans chapter five, verse eight tells us that God's love was demonstrated for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so not only did God love us first, but he loved us when we were sinful and he decided to demonstrate this love that he has for us. He put it on full display to let us know, here's how much I love you. I love you so much that I'm not going to wait for you to start the love relationship with me. I'm going to love you first, and I'm going to love you when you're miserable. I'm going to love you when you're sinful and rebellious and wicked. And I'm going to demonstrate the depths of that love by giving you the most valuable, costly thing I could ever give you. And that is the life of my own dear son in your place for your sin. I love you so much. I'm going to show you how much I love you. And that is, I'm going to have my son pay the price for your sin on the cross. He loved us first and he loved us while we were still sinners. And it was while we were sinners that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us. What a demonstration of the first love of God, of the initiated love of God. It's the greatest demonstration of love known to mankind, that he loved us before we loved him. And he loved us so much that he gave us only Son, while we were still living lives that were sinful and selfish and disobedient. Wow, what love. Our third thing about God's love that should move us toward fearing him is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to this. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, we're talking about fear and you're saying, but Steve, you just said the scripture said that there's no fear in love. There's no terror kind of fear in love. This isn't talking about the reverential kind of love or fear that we have when we love God. No, there's no terrorizing fear involved in a love relationship with God. So there's no fear or torment in his love. His love casts out fear and torment. It gets rid of it. Listen, let me, can I just say to you quickly, if there's torment in your love relationship with God, there's something wrong because his love casts out and gets rid of any fear, torment, or anxiety that you might have in your relationship with him. His love, perfect love, casts out fear and torment, okay? We don't have to live in torment about our past. We don't have to live in torment about our present. And we sure don't have to live in torment about our future because the love of God has been there through it all and for it all and in it all and will continue, as we'll see in a few minutes, to be there for us forever. We don't have to live in torment about, does God really love me? Has God abandoned me? Has something separated me from his love? Or, oh my gosh, I live under the torment of, am I really going to go to heaven? Or is God going to send me to hell? Am I going to face harsh judgment? Or will I receive beautiful mercy? You don't have to live in that kind of questioning torment. Why? Because his love removes fear. Fear of our past, fear of our present, and fear of our future. Listen to what Jesus said here in John 5, 24. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, this is so awesome. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Jesus said, most assuredly, like you can take this to the bank. This is, this is never going to change. Most assuredly, if you hear his word and you believe in him who sent him, if you believe in the father, you need to know this. You have everlasting life and you're not going to come into the judgment. You've actually passed from spiritual death into spiritual life. Isn't that awesome? Listen, if again, you have to allow yourself to be secure and confident in the love of God. You have to understand that, as we'll see, nothing can separate you from it now or, or ever at any time, so long as we're in Christ. What, a, what an awesome, incredible thing. Let, let me give you just a little bit of insight, too, about being fearful Fearful in general, but fearful about does God love me? Will God love me in the future? 
Here, here's what I've found out in my own life. Whenever I find myself in a place of fear or a place of torment about my relationship with God or things that are happening, you know what I've realized? Every time I'm tormented about whether God loves me or not, every time, it's because I never see the loving goodness of Jesus being in that moment with me. I always see myself forsaken, abandoned, rejected. Jesus isn't in my picture when I'm freaking out and terrified and filled with anxiety. So listen, here's what I need to do. Because I understand the love of God, because I understand that its purpose, one of its purposes is to get rid of fear and terror. Whenever I start feeling fearful or terrorized or anxious, I always just have to see Jesus right there in my circumstance. I have to see his loving commitment to me. I have to see his love that's been demonstrated for me. I have to see his first love that was poured out and initiated for me. You see, when I see the love of God clearly, it removes and casts out fear. To do yourself a favor and just meditate on the love of God. Maybe when you turn the podcast off, why don't you look at the love of God as it applies to you? God initiated it. God demonstrated it toward you. He couldn't have demonstrated it in a more beautiful, sacrificial way. God um, loves us in such a way that it removes fear from us. Why don't you think about those things? Now, let's move on to another place where this kind of overlaps, okay? And that is that we are inseparable from God's love. Listen to this, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Paul says it as clearly as he can. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, now listen to this, beloved. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love that God has for us, y'all, we can never be separated from us. And I, I appreciate the list that Paul gives here because this really kind of graphic, intense list that he gives, these are all things that might happen to us that would cause us to question God's love for us, that would cause us to question, have we been separated from the love of God because I'm in tribulation and I'm in distress and I'm feeling persecuted and I'm, I'm, I'm in famine, I'm starving and I'm naked and I'm facing peril and, and martyrdom. See, all these kinds of things that would normally cause people to think the love of God has, has vacated me. It's just vanished from me. It's left me on my own. 
When we typically have circumstances that cause us to think that, Paul says, don't you dare do that. Because he says, yet, or in spite of all of these really tough circumstances, he said, I am persuaded that nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, let me just tell you, in my own life, and, and you know, pain is relative, and I, and I get that. There's, I've suffered way more than some people, and I've suffered way less than others. But our suffering that we face, it's whatever's real to us is what's real. There's been times in my life of profound suffering where I've gotten to that deep, dark place that so many great followers of Jesus have gotten through in their own life where circumstances were so dark that there's the temptation to question the love of God. Where is it gone? What's happened to it? How come it's not real for me? This wouldn't be happening if God loved me. Now, friends, listen to me. We live in a broken world and we can face some very, very difficult things. And yet, none of those things mean that God has separated you from his love or his love from you. That's why Paul uses this graphic illustration here. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are loved right now. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, that God is condoning or approving of some kind of sinful behavior. It's not that at all. But it is in very difficult circumstances. The circumstances don't mean that God doesn't love you. God's word says he loves you no matter what. So marinate in that, meditate, contemplate, think deeply, pray through that, and let that just wash over your soul afresh and anew today. The love of God, it's inseparable. Next, not only did Jesus love us first while we were sinners and removed fear from us, not only is his love inseparable, but he has also loved us eternally. And again, this makes sense. There's the overlap is here in all of these things. But, but listen to this, Jeremiah 31.3, talking about the eternal everlasting love of God. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, because of this everlasting love, with loving kindness or gentle, steadfast mercy, I have drawn you to myself. God's love, friends, it is first, it is while we were sinners, it removes fear, nothing can separate us from it, and it lasts forever, eternally. It's an everlasting love. And by it, he's drawn us to himself so that we can experience everything that he has for us. Let me, let me just say this over you right now. And man, if you want to close your eyes and just get in a, a, a contemplative kind of meditative state, just, just let this wash over you right now. I, the eternal, everlasting God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. 
have loved both in the past, the present, and the future. I have loved you. Yes, you, even you. Despite all of your sins, all of your shortcoming, all of your shame, your flaws, your baggage, your hurts, your wounds, your doubts, your deficiencies, I have loved you. Yes, you. And I have loved you, says the Lord, with an everlasting love. It's an always love. It's a love that always will be present. It's a love that doesn't fade. It doesn't run out. It is everlasting. God says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And because of that, I'm drawing you to myself through that love so that you can learn what it is to hold me in such reverential awe and worship that you end up hating evil and departing from evil because that evil only seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the precious and powerful love that I have for you. Man, let that get all over you. I want to give you one final scripture here, and this is found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. John writes and says, behold, I love that word. It's like, stop everything else you're doing. Don't let anything else distract you and fix your gaze fully upon what I'm about to say. Behold, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. See, these different facets of the love of God that we've talked about, and we've only mentioned five today, but John writes to us and says, make sure you're beholding that. Behold this love. Behold what manner, what kind of love this is. Make sure that you understand that it's from God who is love, that he initiated, that he loved first, that he demonstrated, that he removes fear. Behold that kind of love that's allowed you now to be called a child of God. You see, prior to you responding to the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ, prior to that happening, you were a creation of God. You weren't a child of God. You're not a child of God until you say yes to the love of God that is found in Jesus' sacrifice for you. That demonstrated love that Christ died for you while you were still a sinner, when you say yes to that demonstrated love, it's then that you get to become a child of God. Wow, wow, a child of God with all of the rights and the privileges and the promises that God makes. It's all ours, it's all ours. And so what's our point of application and how does this tie in to the fear of the Lord? Listen, when I understand and when I behold 
to the love of God, how can I not hold him in reverential awe and worship and wonder? How, how can I not hate evil and depart from it? When I see everything that God has done, when I see everything of who God is, when I see what he wants to give us in life and give me in life, how can I help but like Moses of old, bow down and worship him. Bow down and give him glory and then turn away from anything that would try to steal, kill, and destroy the life of God in me and turn away and hate every kind of evil, right? That would break God's heart. That's what sin does. When we participate in sin, it breaks God's heart. Let's not break his heart. He's been too good to us. He's loved us too much. And so let's make sure in the midst of us fearing the Lord that we are beholding the matchless love that he has for us. All right, y'all, make sure you be a social media missionary. Invite people to listen to this podcast. Share this video. Sign up for it. Subscribe. Hit the like and the smash button, the notifications. Make sure you don't miss out on any of these teachings. And again, share them, share them, share them with as many people as possible. God bless you mightily. May you walk in the grace and peace and power of God. May the love of God wash over you. And may you walk in the fear of the Lord this fabulous fear. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next time.